0: good to have everybody here this morning. It's good to have an opportunity to be able to study a portion of God's Word. If you don't have your Bibles open already to Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4, I'd ask that you do so at this time. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Colossians with the idea in mind that Paul is trying to impress upon them. As he said in chapter 1, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So difficult is it many times for us to appreciate what it really means for Christ to live in us and how that ought to impact our lives. I want to begin by way of introduction by asking a question Have you ever been challenged by a coach, by a teacher? My mentor, maybe even a preacher, an elder, or a Bible class teacher, to take yourself to the next level and to go a little higher, to have a little more ambition to be more than you are today. I can imagine, for instance, some of you who are very good athletes, that as you go out, your coach tells you, you know you can actually play at another level. If you'll only give a little more effort and you'll, you'll try a little bit harder. I can see those wonderful teachers who come and stand by the desk of a student and say, do you know you can be a teacher? You can be a doctor. You can be a person who saves someone's life. You have the ability. You have the talent. You just need to take it to a higher level. Some of you young men are privileged when we have our fifth sundry to come and to lead our worship. Maybe you're leading a song or leading a prayer. Maybe you're delivering the lesson. And after it's over, there are those who tell you, "Do you know what, you can do this as your life's vocation, you have the talent, you have the ability, if you could just commit yourself, you know what that involves? It involves the mind. You have to to grow in your knowledge. You have to grow in your understanding. It involves the will. That is the, the ambition that you have and I have to say, I want to do something. I can do something. I will do something. It involves the attitude. The attitude that is not a pessimist, but is an optimist. That I can live better, that I can do better, and I can grow. Now let's take that back now to Colossians chapter 3. You see, as Paul has written this letter to the Colossians, he's calling for them to rise above who they have been to who they ought to be. In chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul would say, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. He's talking about people whose mind once was enemies of Christ, but they not that now. In chapter 2, verse 18, he would say, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. People sometimes, their minds are not in the right place. And Paul is trying to help them to put them there. So there's three things we want to observe as we study chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The first will be our status. Verse 1 will talk about Here's where we used to be. Here's where God wants us to be. Higher ground. In verse 2, he will use the verbs to set your mind on the things that are above. Seek those things. And then in verses 3 and 4, we're going to look at the security that we enjoy if we do find this higher ground. Let's look with me now as we begin in verse 1. If then you were raised together with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, when he uses the term raised with Christ, You get the idea that you were once down here, but now you have been raised, not just raised, but raised with Christ. There's a tying together of some things there. The context of the book of Colossians tells us what he's talking about. For instance, if you go back with me to chapter 2 and verse 12. This is a clear reference to what happens when a person is baptized. Too many people just look at baptism, oh, it's just a symbol, it's just an act. Oh, but it's so much more. Paul would write that we are buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When he talks about baptism, that represents a period in one's life where he was once a part of the devil's kingdom. Now he has been raised together with Christ following his baptism. Someone says, I need to know a little bit more about that. Well, Paul will give that explanation in Romans chapter 6 and verses 4 through 6. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, Paul is trying to describe for us what occurs when we become Christians. We die to that old life, just like Christ died a physical death. Christ was buried and put in a tomb. You and I are buried in baptism. Christ was raised by the glory of God. You and I are raised to walk in newness of life. What a wonderful parallel Paul provides for us there. But what that does though is brings about a change of status. It brings about a change of where we were once standing to where we are standing now. I love the way that Paul expresses it in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. He said, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. To say that we were once... In the kingdom of darkness, we were once lost. Now we are in God's kingdom, put there by God. Or maybe it resonates a little more with you to talk about our being no longer a child of the devil, but being a child of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Did you hear what we were once not God's children? He's now made us his children and we are his children now. There's definitely a change of status from who we were to who we are But then he goes on to say, if then you were raised together with Christ, he said, then you're going to set your affections where Christ is. Where is Christ? I know where he's at now. He's in heaven. He is with the Father. He's sitting, sitting right next to the Father at his right hand. Well, there's so many passages which you could think about. But in Acts 7 and verse 55, Stephen is focusing his eyes toward heaven, seeing it open. And he says, he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. 1 Peter 3.22 says that he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject. To him. We set our minds where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. In 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure. We shall also reign with him. If we deny him. He will also deny us. Reign with him. You think about where he is. I've got to be thinking about. Where we're planning on going. Because there's going to be a change of status there is a change of status but now what does that have to do with providing for us some motivation some ambition to live a better life well listen to paul as he writes the ephesians in chapter 5 verse 8 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light God has said, you were once in the world of darkness, but now you're my lights in the world. He said, I want you to, to shine like lights. The child of the king should reflect the dignity of his status. We're now princes. We're now royalty in God. And in Revelation 3 verse 21, to him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You and I have the hope of and the focus of the change of our status here. Now because you and I know that, that ought to make us to aspire to live more godly, holy lives. What is Paul calling for us to do? You've been raised to a new place of a new status. Now you need to act like that. Because there's a change in your life. Now for just a few moments, let's look at verses two or 1 and 2 together. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God... Set your mind on the things of heaven and or the things above, not on things on the earth. I want you to notice those two verbs there, to seek and to set your mind. What is Paul trying to do? He's trying to get them to say, this is where you're going to place your focus, your mind, your thoughts. And the reality, there's a battle going on for our minds. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's a battle going on for your mind in so many areas of life. There's a battle for your mind in the political realm. There's some people who want you to go to the left. There's others who want you to go to the right. There's others who want you to be on their side and not be on the other one's side. There's all kinds of battles for your mind. I suggest to you, even when you go to school, there's a battle for your mind to be able to instill the values that a person wants you to hold. Do you realize that there's a battle going on for your mind between God and Satan? Satan wants you to think worldly thoughts. Satan wants you to be devious, to be underhanded, to be a liar, to be a cheat, to be a thief. He wants you to share his fate. On the other hand, God wants what is best for you. He loves you. He cares for you. I want you to listen to Paul as he reflects on this in Romans 7 and 8. He said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me in captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Let me ask you a question. Do any of you ever struggle with trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, and avoid doing the wrong thing? Someone mistreats you. What do you want to do? Do you want to lash out? Do you want to be ugly? Do you want to be hateful? Or do you want to say and do the right thing? And even as you listen now, you you may say, I want to do the right thing, but oh, it's so hard. Chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Oh, it's such a struggle going on. And there's a war for the battle of your mind. So what is he saying? Set your mind on the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. Now, sometimes the best illustrations can be found in the lives of real people. I know many of you are familiar with Mark or Matthew, chapter sixteen, verses sixteen through eighteen, where Jesus is asked that, "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" All kinds of questions have arisen, and all kinds of opinions have been expressed. He's John the Baptist. He's Jeremiah. He's one of the other prophets. Peter responds by saying, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus pronounced a blessing on Peter because of that. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verses 18 and 19. But now, you think about that. Peter must have been beaming with pride with the Lord patting him on the back. But right after that, the Lord begins to explain to them that he's got to go to Jerusalem, he's got to suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes, and the third day be put to death. When Peter hears that, not so, Lord. Not going to let that happen. And I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus responds in Matthew 16 and verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Oh, I can just pop out of a person just like that so quickly, so easily. That there's a battle for your mind. And in one minute you can sing Oh How I Love Jesus here in services. And then you can leave from here and go somewhere else. Maybe on your way to home with your family. Maybe in the restaurant where you choose to eat. And then you say something and you do something that reflects worldliness. Rather than godliness. You see Peter had a battle going on in his mind for what was right Psalms ten and verse four expresses it like this the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. What is this battle for the mind? The seeking, the setting. It's where you and I say, okay, now I'm going to think the way God wants me to think. I have to have a heavenly focus. As the writer of the book of Hebrews expresses the concern for the world in which we live in he said in verse 1 seeing we are encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us okay it's tough but i need something to motivate me i need something to help me verse 2 looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, what it was that motivated Jesus was keeping His eyes focused on what God wanted Him to accomplish. I was contemplating a sermon ideas for the future, and I thought about, why are we really here? Why did God create us? What does God want out of us? He wants us to glorify Him. He wants us to be obedient to Him. He wants us to focus our attention toward heaven. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then you think about, well then what would that involve for me on a daily basis? Philippians four verse eight, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Or if you're reading the King James American Standard. Think on these things. Let these be the things that your mind dwells on, not worldly things. Seeking and setting requires a choice. You know, as Jesus presented the Sermon on the Mount, He talked about people who worry about the things of this life, what they'll eat or what they'll drink or what they'll put on. would say food, clothing, and shelter. He comes to a conclusion by pointing out after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father has need, need, knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In Acts 17 verses 26 and 27, Paul at Athens talked about God made us from one blood of every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings that they should seek for the Lord. God is looking for us to seek Him. And finally, Romans 8 and verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. It's where you set your mind. Now, let's look at security. Security is so important. You know, when we want to be secure in our homes, we want to know that no one is going to invade our homes, molest us, mistreat us in any way. We even are now somewhat secure concerned about security as we even gather together to worship God. But when you start thinking about real security, will I be safe in eternity? Let's listen to verses 3 and 4. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now you have to put together these two ideas that he's been talking about. Dying to sin and living to God and death to self and life to God is the key. Matthew 16 and verse 25 for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It seems ironic that a person who is constantly thinking about, i got to preserve myself, I've got to preserve myself, will actually end up losing his life because he's only thinking about self. Whereas the person who says, I'm going to die with Christ. His life is, to use Paul's terms, hidden with Christ and God. You're tied with Him, so to speak. Paul would put it like this in Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, you tie the two things together. Our dying to sin and being tied to Christ. And that secures our future. Because if we're with Him, when the future comes, no harm can befall us. The book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul was postulating the future and what you and I will be and what we have to look forward to. He said, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. He said, this is something you and I eagerly wait for. We know what's going to happen. Our citizenship's in heaven. That's where we're going to be received. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, And now, my little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. When Jesus appears again, instead of us wanting to run and hide, we will want to be there with him. We know what is before us. The kind of security that a person can depend upon. Do you see the distinction that he's trying to bring? Too many are content to remain worldly focused when there's a higher calling. It's almost like I tried to tell you at the beginning about a little boy or little girl who's really good at sports and their coach sees something in them and says, you can do it. Like the teacher who stands next to the student and says, you can make something out of yourself. Paul is saying... You died to sin. You live with Christ. Set your mind. Seek the things that are above. There's a great motivation there. For us to rise to higher ground. Let's rise to the challenge of faith. Let's be the people that God wants us to be. To live that life. Let's focus on our future rewards. And here's the truth. If you're not a Christian, you don't have a future reward. You don't have a promise. To use the terminology we're going to use in just a few moments in our Sunday morning Bible class, you really have no hope. I don't say that because I want to be depressing, but I want you just to understand your status, where you are, you don't have to stay there. And it's not as if some are just the privileged few and they get to enjoy it and you don't. It's for everybody. The gospel is for all. And what Paul would say to preach the gospel is you can be a child of God, you can enjoy that at home in heaven. What you've got to do, you've got to be obedient. And as we've already observed in chapter 2, verse 12, that means you need to be baptized. Of course, before you're baptized, you repent of your sins. And you believe that He's the Christ. And you confess His name. But Now here's the other challenge. Once you become a child of God, do I continue to pursue being faithful and true and loyal to God and Is that where my life is hidden, so to speak? I know it's easy for those of us who are Christians to allow the world to allure us just as Peter did him. But the invitation of the Lord is to come back home and to be faithful to him once again. We're going to sing the song, Nothing But the Blood. And if you're willing to respond to the gospel call We encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.